I don't care what you say. There's a bit of sexiness to it. This is Talk Can Audio. Episode 1131 of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. We weren't even a syllable into the show before I've made my first mistake. That has to be a TCA record. Welcome inside our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. My name is Matt Robinson. We are on social media at Tall Can Audio. Give us a follow there. Make sure you're subscribed to the pod. Uh, wherever you're hearing us right now, happy to be welcoming back into the studio our buddy Steve Bunda. That's got to be, you've been around for quite a while doing this broadcast thing. Have you ever seen anyone fuck it up quite that fast? I mean, it feels like that's your your pattern today. You were a little slow on letting me into today. So the Talcan Audio fans were getting at me pretty good, getting in my face, telling me I'm an idiot, and I was getting a little worried. I'm pushing the button. Matt, let me in, and then now this. It's it's not a good day for Matty Robinson. But uh, hey, man, you still look good, and we're still ready to drink beers and do a pod. So I'll let the I'll let it slide since it's a gorgeous day in the capital. It's true, man, and. uh, yeah, the last couple times you've been on, it, we've done this remotely. I was posted up at the uh, at the satellite studio there at the lake, and uh, beautiful studio. Hey, what a view! Honestly, man, <laughs> not too bad at all. And that will become more and more of a theme as the summer wears on. Once we get into those slower July August months, uh, I'm sure there'll be uh, more satellite shows coming from there. Where we'll tap you on the shoulder again, but. Uh, yeah, we, we got you back in studio, man. It's good to see you. It's good to see you, Matt. And I just want to bring up uh, something that's on my mind that I know is happening, but it sounds like someone's turning 40. It does sound that And And uh, it doesn't look 40. I'll mm-hmm. give you that. But, uh, oh, sorry, I'm talking about you. <laughs> so I, I don't mean to hijack your show at the beginning no, of the show, right. but happy birthday, Matt. What's going on with you, buddy? It, 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 this, is, Cheers. Uh, this is the day. Cheers to you, man. This is... Uh, this is the day where it all happens, where it all comes crashing down around me. So, yeah. uh, I appreciate it. Um, uh, we've talked about it a few times on the pod. If people want to check it out, uh, you and I have talked music on this podcast a bunch of times. I have, uh, created a playlist for the actual birthday shindig that's oh, coming yes. up and, uh, you know, kind of carried me through from when I was a kid to when I was sort of an early teenager to when I was sort of a pop punk poser kind of thing <laughs> poser yeah and then as things kind of move through so the podcast or the uh, the playlist if you want to check that out for yourself uh the links to it on apple music and on spotify will be in the uh, in the show notes it's a bit of a scene but there's a lot of yeah I, I think i texted you at one point saying i was making this thing going I don't know, it kind of feels like it's all kind of 99 through 01 through 04, yeah. kind of that that area of, you know, Blink-182, Newfound Glory. Such a good I, uh, good collection that's there, That's where right? music peaked, I think, man. Oh, so. man, that's why when we hear the When We Were Young tour come together, 100%. it's like, okay, so now we're old. That's It's official. We are old now, Matt, but... Uh, one of my best friends, uh, I was the the best man at his uh, his wedding last summer. So I hosted his uh, his bachelor party at my cottage. Oh yeah. Um, but I did this a very similar playlist where it's like like you said, you're going through some 41 songs, Blink songs. It's basically the Tony Hawk Pro Skater soundtrack. Yeah, 
yeah. Which uh, I, you know, I was at the cottage the other day playing some uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater three with nice. my cousin. Okay. Some old school uh, horse and graffiti action, yes. uh, but just listening to some of those old tunes and and just uh, it, it's such an old vintage game. But yeah, man, uh, that playlist is just absolute gold, <laughs> dynamite. It makes you feel so young again, and like you're just you're driving around and people are listening to everything that's cool now. Like I guess like Taylor Swift and whoever else is, wants to be cool. To, what up, Tay Tay? Yeah, I'm not sure she made my playlist, but uh, no, that's what I'm saying. I got no beef, but just maybe not my uh, my style. You're living in your uh, your I guess what your teenage years when you're listening to these uh, <laughs> this playlist. So uh, I love that you made that, man. Good for you. Uh, I got another music thing I want to ask you about here in a second, but first let's get into the beers. You've got, uh, one, I got one here that we're already working on. Uh, what'd you start with? Yeah, I started with a Niagara Irish red ale, uh, from Niagara Brewing Company. Um, I've always had a thing for like, uh, I like a nice, like nice cold red. Yeah. So I don't, there's not a lot of reds out there. Yeah. The reds are solid. So I saw this, I was like, you know what? Let's have a nice, easy drinking lager. It's not too much, 5%. And, uh, it's very tasty. What do you got today? Uh, just before we get into mine, I will suggest if you're a Reds guy, I don't know if you've tried this before, but there is a Sparkhouse Red from Lake of Bays that's in the LCBO pretty pretty frequently and even in some okay. grocery stores. Highly recommend that beer, man. Lake Very of Bays. Good, yeah. They have a couple of, uh, I think, a good IPA as well. Yes, they make a lot of nice stuff and... Uh, but that Sparkhouse Red is is very nice. Uh, I am going with something from Beyond the Pale that's a little different from their normal one. I know everyone here in the Ottawa area who's into the craft beer scene knows the uh, the pink fuzz from oh, yeah. uh, from Beyond the Pale. This is called Pink Funk, and it is the pink fuzz apparently aged in a like a an old wine barrel. It kicks it mm. up to about six percent. Um, it's a little tart off the top, right? It's it's a bit more sour than I'm normally into. Uh, I'm not going to blame this on them. They say right up front, like it says on it's it's a sour. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to give them grief for that. I know going in what I'm getting into, but uh, as you mentioned, man, gorgeous day in the capital. And, uh, you know, as I'm turning 40 today, I'm feeling funky, right? little pink funk. That's what we'll, uh, and you know, old school Bret Hart guy. Maybe we throw down that too with the little pink and black attack. Oh, uh, it all fits, do you have your right? wrestling singlet ready for your, for it? I would love to do that, right? The, the pink tights, the black singlet. I would look good, man. Oh, I would look man. very good. The heart foundation, you know, 100%. just got a the couple old others. winged eagle title over my shoulder walking in there. Oh man. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe and beyond not. the pale, there's so, so many great oh, yeah. things. Uh, one of my favorites that they did back in the day. Um, I don't know if they still do it anymore, but uh, they'll bring out uh, the mullet that'll be on the pale yep. mullet, which is a Belgian IPA. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's around nice eight beer. or nine percent. Yes, uh, but they also have a uh, another one that they do, and I remember they did it around Easter, and it was so cool. But it was called uh, the party animal. Okay, and I believe it was like ten or more percent, <laughs> but it was uh, it was uh, just an absolute white can. Yeah, with like decorations on it, like a, kind of like a, a coloring book, so you could like grab it, and then it was it came out during Easter. And it had the kind of an Easter feel, but it was party animal. But so it's technically called like the older brother of the the of the mullet. Okay, and it was kind of they were kind of like brothers. Yes, I haven't tried this one. Yeah, and it, it only came out around uh, April. I, I remember one year, and I got a couple. I remember our buddy, uh, our, kind of our buddy. He he bails on a lot of the podcasts, <laughs> so uh, sl- a slight chirp at Creech. But sure. uh, I remember giving him one. Uh, I I got a couple one day, and it was a couple years ago. And he's like, "Man, I want to give this to my my daughter so she can just like color it with a marker because right, it, yeah. it, it was really cool like that." But uh, both unreal real IPAs and uh you know the pink fuzz is a great one so how's the pink funk the pink funk it like I said man it's it's pretty sour it's pretty tart but it's it is nice right if you're into that sort of thing like I said on a nice uh hot summer day here in the nation's capital uh not be and I don't know 
well, I guess you haven't been over there in a bit, you said, but you've, I'm sure, been there. Like, they got a very nice deck. Oh, patio. man, their like, patio is unreal. Yeah, it's a great place to sit out and, and, and hang, have a couple there. It's a, they have a great spot over there. Oh, so. yeah. City Center, right next yep. to it, is the smoke shack. So, yes, if you want some wings or some ribs, <laughs> like, it, that's actually just like a dangerous area because uh, I think it's City Center, right? Is it right beside it is, like I said, smoke shack. So, you can get some barbecue. Yeah. Right after that is Artisan Bakery. And if you want to have a sandwich, like, boom, there it is right there. Yeah. And then I believe it's Orange Monkey. Billards. There's like a little pool bar okay, there. Yeah. There's like a BMX bike. So we're speaking about like Dave Mira's BMX was another one of those old school. Right. Yeah. Wow, video games. Pull, man. Yeah, man. There's like a BMX uh, little spot or like whatever <laughs> indoor skate park right like in the same area. So it's like, oh, cool. I want to go try that. It's like, yeah, I'm not 12. I'm going to break my ass if <laughs> yeah. I try this shit. So uh, I didn't Feeling end up. invincible after a couple pink funks. <laughs> yeah. So I stay on the other side of the road where yeah. there's the billards and the food and the pints. And right. that's where I like to end the barbecue. Can't forget the barbecue. Smoke course, shack. Man. Great wings over there. Every time I go, it's. It's just teasing. Grab you. some of that, carry it over to the Beyond the Pale patio, and sit down. Absolutely, a couple pints, man. Not such so bad. a good time. Such a good time. So I wanted to ask you because we were talking a little music there. You said growing up, you were a punk rock guy. You were a rock guy. I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this on the show. I was curious: Are you a tragically hip guy? Yeah, I have. Uh, I'm one of those weirdos, uh, Maddie. I didn't love the tragically hip growing up. I never. I, I like a couple of their songs, but not a lot of their mainstream songs. Okay, I've grown a lot more over the last few years kind of weird but it's like after the Gord Downey like his final tour yeah I've uh, I put a lot more effort into trying to appreciate and listen to their music a lot more um so they've grown on me a lot but uh, I was never the biggest fan never nothing against them but just they would never be at the top of my playlist always just whenever they're playing it's a like, cool sure I kind of got a little bored of New Orleans is sinking I won't lie that yeah. one kind of uh even though it was a little bit they're kind of pounded by the radio right those can yeah. rules, all that yeah. stuff so uh the reason I bring it up is uh to celebrate my birthday back in 2011. Okay. The Tragically Hip played a fairly well-known show to uh, to hip fans in Bob Cajun. They, of course, have that song, Bob Cajun, that, mm. you know, everybody knows. And so this was like the ultimate, yo, what if the hip ever played in Bob Cajun? But Bob Cajun's a town of like 4,000 people. There was, yeah. There's no venue. There's no whatever. And so when they finally announced this thing in the spring of 2000, or yeah, it was around March 2011, February 2011, um, that they were just going to do it out in some field on uh, on Pigeon Lake. And I was like, I have to be at this show. I'm a huge hip guy. No in total, by the end of it, I'd seen, uh, I ended up seeing them 11 times. Um and I kind of grew up camping, boating, whatever, all around Bob Cajun. So I was like, I have to be at this show. The other thing that I always throw in when I'm telling this story is that was when they announced the concert about a month after my kidney transplant. So I'm like, that's a that's a huge turning point in my life. Like, that's a huge event. Yeah. And all of a sudden, my band is playing like this dream concert. And so at the time, my cousin, and to be fair, my cousin's parents uh, owned a beautiful cottage uh, near Bob Cajun on the water. Mm. And so I called my cousin and I was going to ask him like, you know, if we can get some tickets to this concert, can we crash, um, at, at the cottage? And he doesn't even wait to say hello when he sees me calling. He knew, eh? When he sees me calling <laughs> on the day they announced this concert, he answers the phone and goes, I, I knew I'd be hearing from you today. Yeah. And he goes, yes, we're doing it. Yes, there will be a party. Yes, we're getting tickets or whatever. So, all of that is to say that's where I spent my birthday in 2011, but this day in history on my actual birthday, right, as opposed to where I celebrated my birthday a couple days down the road, I went with two buddies to see the hip in Peterborough, 
And this was a warm-up show before the Bob Cajun thing. They hadn't toured in two or three years. So this was like, uh, we're just going to you know, run through the set list. We'll sell some tickets in this tiny little theater where you'd normally go see you know, a play or something like that. It was 650 people. And so me and two of my oldest friends uh, ended up somehow just miraculously getting tickets to this uh, at Showplace Theater in Peterborough and driving down and seeing the hip. And that might be... I've, I've seen them 11 times. I don't know, you know, Bob Cajun was special for a lot of reasons. A couple of them are special. I don't know. I don't remember, you know, off the top of my head, which one had the best set list, all these sorts of things over 11 uh, different times seeing them. But that maybe was the coolest venue, right? Oh, yeah. 600 hardcore hip fans, as opposed to being outside or at the Air Canada Center with 20,000 people. Oh. That theater... Ended up being like 45 degrees by the time it was done. It was. <laughs> People are just rocking out in this old, the, just an intimate venue like that and seeing your favorite band with two of your oldest friends, just, man, it was incredible. That was uh, this day in 2011, man. That's where I spent, so I guess maybe I haven't been clear enough about this. That's where I spent my actual birthday was yeah. at the Peterborough one. <laughs> okay. And I celebrated with a huge group of people all at this cottage uh, a few days later, you know, that's where we had the birthday party, if you wanted to call it that. Yeah. Right? That's so. so cool to be able to have that small kind of venue man. moment. Cause like you said, that's something you'll never forget. You'll be able to say you did. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to know. I don't even know if you'd remember how much tickets were for something like that back in the day, because one thing we've talked about so, uh, so much before is just, uh, how shitty it is, how, uh, you know, you have to basically sell a child and yes. like your yes. uh, internal <laughs> organ just to get a ticket to go anywhere. I couldn't afford to do that. I just had a kidney transplant. I can't be selling that's any a, off. That's what right? I mean. Yeah. So uh, I hope it didn't hit the wall too much no. or if it was paid for for you, but um, tickets back then for something like that must have been so cool. I really... D- do you sell the stub somewhere? No, I'm not one of those guys. Like I don't oh, really? collect that stuff. I take a lot of pictures with people. Sure, okay. Um, that sort of thing. And I am kind of weirdly sentimental about like, I will go back and find the set list and create a playlist of those and like just title it, right? Hip and Bob Cage and Hip and Peterborough, right? And and so I can, but I'm not really a a ticket collector kind of thing like that. I don't remember what it was for the small little Peterborough show. It wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't like three, $400. The Hip were always- Which is actually pretty good these days. Honestly, now, yeah, you wouldn't even blink. But the Hip were always pretty conscious about not fucking over their fans. That was something they, and that was- Half the time, they wouldn't even go through Ticketmaster because they knew Ticketmaster was going to fuck their fans. And they would end up, I remember there was one service, it was called Maple Music. Mm-hmm. And every time the hip would try and run a an on-sale date through that website because it didn't have the same fees, hip fans would crash the website because it, could, it couldn't handle it, right? Like Ticketmaster yeah. is used to huge on-sale dates or whatever, whereas yeah, Maple yeah. Music was not. So I don't remember, but it, you know... I'm imagining in my head somewhere between 85 to 115 bucks a ticket. But I remember the Bob Cajun one, the outdoor one, they were selling to 30,000 people, whatever it was, uh, just on the shore of Pigeon Lake there. It was only like 45 bucks, right? Because it's just a sort of a festival thing. Sam Roberts was playing beforehand, okay. a couple other bands. And, you know, when you're having a huge outdoor spot like that, you don't have to charge you know, quite the same as to yeah. rent an arena or whatever was going on. But it was crazy, man, to see all weekend in town at the different patios and restaurants and bars. Um, there's tragically hip tribute bands playing. <laughs> um, there was only one road in and out to get to the highway from this field that the concert was at. And on the way in, it was no problem. 
And on the way out, a bus broke down in the middle of the road and everyone got stuck behind it. So oh, um, my the, the group I was with were the last people back to the party at the cottage because my cousin and my brother-in-law who were driving the other two trucks knew like a shortcut. Like if we just take this kind of dirt road driveway over here, we can cut it around it. And the guys I were with didn't know that. We weren't really from the area the same <laughs> fair way. Enough, fair so enough. we just sat there on this road waiting for this bus to move. So you sort of felt like, you know, you've had some beers. It's been a long day in the sun and you're sort of fading just sitting there in the truck, right? Like, I just want to get home and be done with this. And then you walk in and everybody's partying. You find your second win, right? That's, I was going to say, so. um, <laughs> and, and so did the, did the hip. And it's funny because when I was in college, one of my uh, best friends, he, he was from Bob Cajun. And I'm like, well, where's oh, yeah. Bob Cajun? He's like, yeah, it's kind of near Peterborough. Yeah. And it's like very small town, whatever it was. He had, he had a nice spot. So I've never really heard of Bob Cajun other than the song. Yeah. And now him and now you yeah. telling me the story, but like. Did they play a full set in Bob? Because like, that's the thing. Like, it's a different area. It's different. It's kind of a makeshift. Hey, we're going to do a little thing here. So did they do a full show? Did they yep. play all the songs you liked? Like, oh, was it man. A- it was a great set list. Full. I remember that. Um, I remember them starting because all day it had sort of, we drove from where I lived at the time in Oshawa up to the cottage in Bob Cajun. Uh, to drop off our stuff, right? We knew that's where we'd be coming back to after. And it poured rain the whole drive up. You're just like, oh, this is going to be a disaster because you're sort of envisioning ending up in this muddy field. Yeah. Um, And by the time we got there, it was still pouring. We had time to go in, have a beer or two, and then head over. And it was sort of clearing, but still kind of spitting. It wasn't a very nice day. Mm. We got there, and they did one of those things. You've probably been to festivals like this where – you don't get in line for beer immediately. First, you get in line for beer tickets, and then you go to a different line to oh. go get beer, and you're like, fuck you. Yeah. And so you, we spent, we missed most of the opening acts because we were in these two lines. Um, but it wasn't really raining on us. It was just sort of spitting a bit. And then as the hip were, like as, as Sam Roberts was finishing up, and there was sort of that gap in between, it stopped raining altogether. It didn't clear up and become like really sunny, but it it did clear a little. And... I remember Gord kicks off the concert coming out yelling, no sunburns today. We win. No sunburns. Right. Trying to sell it. <laughs> That's as a good one, eh? And so it was pretty cool. And they did. They, they, they then played like a full set. Uh, I do remember it being a pretty sweet set list. Um, played most of the stuff that I would want to, would want to have heard. Right. It was an awesome weekend, man. Had some of my best friends around, had some family around. Um, I, I just, you know, one last thing on it at the cottage, my cousin, was using, like I said, it was his parents' cottage and they had just finished doing like this gorgeous renovation on it. Like had turned it from a cottage into like clearly what was going to be their retirement home. Sure, yeah. And it was amazing. Like I had seen it beforehand a bunch of times and then this was the first time I'd seen it after the renovation. So I texted my uncle, my cousin's dad there when we were done on Sunday and driving home. I just said, you know, thanks for letting us all kind of crash at your cottage. Um, Thought it was you know, we had a great weekend, by the way, amazing renovations. I don't even recognize the place from the last time I saw it. It's beautiful. And he goes, just tell me this. Do you recognize it today from when you arrived yesterday? Right, Does it still look okay? Because you had a couple, eh? <laughs> Everybody had a couple. There was a lot of people. There was people. We joked that it looked like a, you know, a World War II movie set. Because when we woke up in the morning, there were people who had just like come to the party, had nowhere to sleep, nowhere to stay, obviously couldn't drive. And so just like went to sleep in the yard, like just laying on the grass. It just looked like <laughs> anywhere later. you can, right? Anywhere neighbors would have been coming out, looking around going, oh my God. So, but, uh, when the hip's in town, man, that's a bit it. different, that's eh? That's it. Yeah. There's no, 
There's no stadium. There's no arena. We're going to just do this in a field, and then everybody's going to disperse back to uh, whatever. So that, yeah. was, uh, that was a birthday outing of, uh, of 2011. The hip I saw twice in four days. So, And I was going to say, how many times have you seen – I look over here in the studio, and I see your fully and completely 2015 North American Tour shirt. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I can't look around the room. you got a couple of things. How many times have you seen the hip? Eleven times, man. Okay. Eleven times, Eleven. yeah. Eleven. And seen is that them? your obvious record of yes, bands? I've never seen anybody more than that. So that's uh, – I've seen them at Fort York, seen them here at Blues Fest twice – uh, seen them at the Air Canada Center. Seen them, obviously in Peterborough. Bob Cajun. Um, I can't even remember. Oh, I've seen them twice in Oshawa when they played the uh, at the Jenny's Arena down there. So, uh, yeah, I've got quite a few hip shows in my back pocket. Man, by far my favorite band of all time. That's crazy. Yeah. Eleven. That's uh, that's pretty big. I think the highest. I've and I'm, I wouldn't even stack up to half the people. Like they're hip websites and all kinds of stuff of like super fans there are people who've seen them like 135 times you're just like holy crap especially canadian bands right because it's the 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 easier access right they're usually doing things like i look at this fully completely tour and i'm looking at there there's like you know vancouver calgary lethbridge edmonton winnipeg st Catharines, toronto montreal st john's moncton halifax kingston you know, Oshawa, London, like they, that Kirkland Lake, like Kirkland Lake's pretty small. <laughs> yeah, 100%, uh, man. You know what I mean? Like they got a lot, Quebec City, Ottawa. Like, So I saw them twice on that tour. That was 2015. Sure. They yeah. were celebrating the anniversary of the Fully Completely album. And so they were going to go out and they were going to play that album start to finish and then, you know, a bunch of hits afterwards or whatever. So they played in Oshawa at the General Motors Center there at the time. I can't remember what it's called now. I think it's the Tribute Community Center or something like that. Uh, where the generals play. So they did that in February and I went to that with a bunch of friends and then, uh, they played blues fest here in July and okay. I went to that with one of my best friends as well. Her and I went and checked that one out and it, that night it did rain like hell. It never let up. It was just coming down on us. And like, there's pictures of her and I, uh, taking selfies on the bus, going home, looking like just drowned rats, right? Like oh, every, your shirts just clinging to you. Your hair's just a mess. It was, uh, you know, the, the classic line there, um, from music at work, the, the lyric is the rain came down berserk and it sure did that night. So. Man. And that was 2015. Like yep. you said, one of my best friends at the time growing up, uh, we went to, I've known him since grade four. Um, he was at that show and he got, uh, so drunk that he was like, uh, crowd surfing and he actually ended up getting like, when you crowd surf, they usually like, they, they try and get you out of there Yeah, and he ended up getting kicked out. So he was trying to get uh, back no. in by climbing a fence and he had one too many and ended up cutting up his hand oh, pretty no. good. So the next day or later that night, I'm talking to my buddy. I'm like, and they're like, cause they asked me, Hey, do you want to go? And I think I was working or doing something at the time. I couldn't go. Yeah. And so I was like, I, sorry, I can't. And then like. I mean, he's like, man, you didn't hear what happened. And I won't say his name on the podcast because sure. I don't think he wants to be outed. But he's like, yeah, man, like he he messed his hand up pretty good trying to get back into the tragically hip after getting booted out for crowd surfing. I'm like, oh my gosh. And it was a pretty, like, it went, like he sliced his hand open pretty good. But sounds like that was a messy night, all right. So the friend I went with, uh, her name's Amy, and she is a four-time Canadian Paralympian, right? Okay. And she is ballsy. Like, she's not afraid of anything. She's doing whatever she wants. So we're standing there at some point. And she decides, I sort of see a half crack in the crowd. And she's like, whatever, five, four, you know, whatever. I'm not, I was going to say, wait, I'm actually not going to do that. Don't, <laughs> don't like get that. yourself in trouble. Yeah, no, me. She's way smaller than me was the point I was going to make. But she would sort of see this crack in the crowd where people had sort of rocked apart and she'd want to move up two or three rows. And so she would sort of reach back because I was standing behind her, grab my hand and like suddenly lunge forward. And I'm like, you 
you can fit through that hole in the crowd. <laughs> you just tried to drag me through, and I knocked two people. Guys are looking at me like, you want to fucking go? I'm like, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just, we've all had a couple. But by the end of it, we'd moved up probably 30 rows. She just kept doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so it was awesome, man. It was a great show, but like I said, it just poured the entire time. And when they finished uh, playing, like I said, the idea of that tour was to play fully, completely start to finish. And when they were done doing that, um, they played every tragically hip hit you can think of, right? There was no deep cuts. There was no, well, the band just kind of likes playing this one. And I, I don't know if that was always the plan or if they looked out and saw that these people who stayed are still just getting pelted, right? And we're going to reward them with the stuff they want to hear and just keep it a happy vibe. I don't know. That's sort of the vibe I got. Because I also saw the hip at Blues Fest here in 2013, 2012, something like that. And they kind of stunk. Like it wasn't a good night. Every now and then, Gord would get a little too high and just kind of come out and do his own thing and sort of be talking to himself. Fair enough. (laughs) That was one of the, so I've seen them 11 times. That was one of two very bad concerts. The rest were all varying degrees of good. So I was a little nervous when we went in 2015, but he paid us back that night, man. We got drenched, but uh, great set. Especially when you pay, you pay so much for those tickets yeah. and you, like outdoor festivals, you have like, you can't control the weather. No, so it's huh? either you show up and you, you deal with it or, you know, the, the show gets canceled because it gets too wild. So that's as it. long as they were able to perform and you were able to get your money's worth, like you 100%, said, man. that's big so time. So good. So good. So uh, we got a few different things we can touch on here, man. We want to talk a little bit about everything going on around Conor McGregor. We'll get into that. Uh, there was an interesting list that uh, Ian Mendez and Haley Salvian put together about attendance trends in the NHL. I wanted to ask you about the Ottawa element of that. But we did, as you and I were sitting here talking, just see the list of this year's nominees for the Hockey Hall of Fame. I don't know if there's a ton of meat on this bone, but we might as well address it as it just dropped here now. Uh, you got the list there in front of you. Who are we seeing going in this year? Yeah, the class is let. It's. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. It's a good. We. It's a good year for the goaltenders. Right. Uh, but the the class led by Henrik Lundqvist, uh, Tom Brasso, Mike Vernon. So there's your three goaltenders. Wow. Uh, Pierre Turgeon, uh, Carolyn Olette, Ken Hitchcock, and Pierre Lacroix will be all inducted as the the class for 2023. So like I said, three goaltenders in there yeah. and then Pierre Turgeon's just like, I'm chilling. Just Carolyn Olette's like, okay, I'm not a goalie, but hey, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm going to fit in here too. And then like I said, uh, the two Hitch. other ones. Yeah. Uh good for Hitchcock, you know, it's you know, it's been a long time. Uh Pierre Lacroix as well, but uh you know, it's it's cool to see like Henrik Lundqvist, uh, you know, he was uh, I I wouldn't say he like he he had uh, a shitty career because he was always one of the best goaltenders but never winning a cup, right? Never I was being... going to ask you, like does that it, 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 now that we're like, like 32 teams in the league, we're going to have to accept more and more guys going in without cups, right? Like yeah. you, you win it way less often. Henrik Lundqvist, maybe more than anybody who never won a cup, is a slam dunk, yes, right? Yeah. Like You look at those eras, right? And, and you look at guys like even Roberto Luongo, he went to a cup final. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lundqvist been to a couple. So it was like, you know, he he like won as a main starter, right? A couple times. So it's yeah. like, you know, he's uh, he's in that spot, but we're going to, it always depends on the year, right? Like Tom Barrasso, he's been around for a while. I believe he's won a cup. Uh, oh yeah. He I, got one in Pittsburgh in yeah. 91 and maybe both 91 and 92. I, I can't say, remember if he started both of them or I not. I can't remember either, but I knew there was one with Pittsburgh yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, but like, you know. Former Leaf, former Senate. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I remember he, he 
crushed that he helped the the Leafs beat the Sens one time sure pretty did. big. Uh, but yeah, it, it just you know when you hear the other names, like I said, Tom Brasso and Mike Vernon. Like Mike Vernon's been around forever, and it's just like to see them finally get in. It's kind of cool in that sense that the NHL did this. Like the three goaltenders, I'm not sure. I can't remember the exact list of eligible players that were to go. It was in. a kind of a weak list. This yeah. was sort I, of a, a catch up year, right? Like yeah, there's still a lot of guys that I think still need to get in. Guys like you know that we're, we're always debating well, I mean, the over. Talk, like the 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 talk this year seemed to be, is this finally the time we see Alex McGillney going? Yeah, who is one of my favorite Leaf players. Just yeah, for yeah, the, yeah. the moment he was there. Like, sure. I, I always joke about it every once in a but while. He killed it in Buffalo. He killed it in Vancouver. You the know, he, he was pretty good with the Devils as well, mm-hmm. um, but sort of stifled maybe a little by the system they were playing. But, you know, the, it, it's not just what he did on the Like, for me, when I think about that guy... You think about what it took for him to defect from Russia still and and come over. Yeah, and that's it, that's the reason why I thought he would he would get in right. Is eventually, how, you yeah. Have to think this would have been the year I thought, but um, yeah, a lot of goalie. Carolyn Willette, you know, a slam dunk. I don't think anyone has a beef with that. Uh, Ken Hitchcock is interesting. He won a cup with Dallas in '99, I believe it was, mm-hmm. and couple of uh, of gold medals as an assistant coach for Team Canada at both the 02 Olympics and 04 World Cup. Um, he sort of fell out of favor late. Like, he seemed to be one of those guys who maybe mm. struggled to adapt to, you know, the way you have to talk to the modern athlete and that ass-kicking style he sort of brought in maybe went then. I, I don't know, man. When, as we look at some of these other guys, Pierre Ouellette, uh, or, uh, yeah, no, um, Pierre... Pierre Turgeon. No, I was going to say Pierre Lacroix, but you're right. Oh, Pierre yeah. Turgeon's the other player. I don't really have a ton on him. Clearly one of the best passers of all time, right? The things he was able to do over the course of his career. But uh, Pierre Lacroix, former player agent, who then went on to become general manager of the Colorado Avalanche and guide them to a couple Stanley Cups. I don't know. It's an interesting group, man. I, there, there's, it, it feels like it lacks a bit of star power. Yeah. And, and that's where, we're, like I said, the, the lead is Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah. And it's like, okay, cool. And then and that's the thing. I think what helps him so much is, you know, being in that New York Rangers franchise for so many years, 100%. right? He was the face of that franchise, right? He was the, you know, the pretty guy with that. You know, I remember him doing hits. In style magazine and in stuff. Style ma- yeah, yeah, playing guitar, walking around New yep. York. Like he was what just kind legend. of. Yeah, man. Like he lived the rock star lifestyle <laughs> yeah. as a goaltender, but also backed it up on the ice for so many years, right? One of the best goaltenders in the league. 100%. Uh, especially, in, you know, winning so much for Sweden in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he won the gold as the starting. Oh, six, yep. yeah. And, uh, was it 06? Yeah, yeah it was in 06. Torino. Yeah. Uh, so uh, with Matt Sundin too. Uh, shout out Leaf, uh, <laughs> former Leaf captain. But uh, yeah. And I guess that Alfie guy. Yeah, I guess that Alfie guy. But uh, the captain was Matt Sundin that year. We got so. the picture from those Olympics up on the wall there of Crosby deking Longquist, And he's got him down the... Uh, yeah. I, it's a great picture. I remember seeing it for the first time on the cover of Sportsnet magazine. Remember that? Oh, that man. was for 18 months or so. And it's Crosby on the breakaway and... It's the, the the shot is from above the net, right? And he's got Lundqvist down and beat as he tucks it in kind of thing. It's a cool shot. It's but, tough uh, to look at it because uh, you have uh, Trish Stratus in a Raptors outfit. On both and, ends. Uh, yes. Trish. And then in a Leafs and outfit Trish as well. A, yeah, no, it, it, Trish is a little distracting. Yeah, as the, much as I real, like Sidney Crosby. The real goat in yeah, here. Yeah, for sure. I going to say it's good. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a very interesting class. Um, and like I said, I like the aspect of being uh, unique and having the goaltenders in that spot. I think it's cool. Then they mixed in, like I said, Pierre Turgeon and, uh, Carolyn Ouellette, which Mm -hmm. makes sense. And the the older, the building and coach wise, uh, I think Hitch deserves it. Uh, all you remember from the 99 cup win was two words, 
no goal. And that's from Lindy Roth, <laughs> yes. but it was, you know, how sour he was after that happened. And, uh, I think it's an interesting class for sure, but I'm not, are do you, are you someone who gets super invested in this? Like, no. I feel like it usually matters if like you have a player from a, like a favorite team growing up that you kind of are attached sure. to like the Alfie thing, right? It felt like Alfie for how many years was never going to get in. And then yeah. it's like, he finally got in last year. So it was, it was exciting to finally get in, but Sens fans in Ottawa, especially like how much it was such a big deal to get him in, like, especially for what he did and how much he meant to the Ottawa Senators franchise. Yep. So it was nice to see him get in. So is this, like I said, is something that you normally pay attention to care about at all? I, I pay attention to it because I know it's going to be a talking point, but I've always felt, always felt, for the last five, ten years, whatever it's been, I've felt like the Hockey Hall of Fame is too easy to get into. It's the Hall of Very Good instead of being the Hall of Great. And so I understand, you know, let's use Alfie as a, an example because it's easy for me to punching bag that guy. I don't think Daniel Alfredson's a Hall of Famer. I understand here in the nation's capital, why you would retire that number and honor that guy and these sorts of things. And before Senators fans jump down my throat, I don't particularly think Matt Sundin was a Hall of Famer either. No. I think they were both really good players, but I don't I don't jump up and down and, you know, you don't think of those guys the same way you think of Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky and the very, very best of the best. And so when I sort of look at this group, at least on the men's side, I, I, I can't speak to how Carolyn Willett's numbers stack up all time against the other top scorers and how you would measure that. I, I have no beef with that because they badly need to catch up on that side anyway. And again, that paints Carolyn Willett in the wrong light, the way I've worded that, this playing catch up or whatever. She deserves to be in there. I'm fine with that. Mm. But I look at this sort of class and I'm just sort of like, eh, I guess, right? Like, I don't think of any of those guys as, re- except for Lundqvist, I, I I should say that. I don't think of Mike Vernon or Tom Barrasso as like, oh my God, all-time legends, right? Like slam dunk Hall of Famers. And so I, I do, the one year I got into it, I believe Matt Sundin and Joe Sackick went in the same year. And those, as a teenager, were my two favorite players. Yeah. I, I loved the Avs. I loved Joe Sackick. I loved what he did for Team Canada at the Olympics, all that stuff. And obviously, as a Leaf fan, Matt Sundin, everything he did. I got really excited that year because it was my two favorite players going in together. But most years now, I just find it becomes a bit of a, a bit of a debate of like, well, it was point he had this guy scored 0.89 points per game in the 1980s and in the, you know, in the 2010s. 0.74 points per game is the equivalent. I'm like, I just have no interest in that debate. It sort of jumps it, to me. The Hall of Fame should like jump out at you. Like yeah. Dominic Hasek, yes. Wayne Gretzky, yes. Right. Like Scott Niedermeyer won everything. Yes. It, it's a feeling to me more than like, a, well, we have four spots to fill this year, and these guys haven't gotten in over the last few years. We'll do that now. It's just lost something for me a little bit. Would you be okay if they did like an off year? Hey, you know what? We don't feel anyone's Baseball worthy does this year. It. Yeah. It just, it's, hey, you know what? It's just not this year. Yeah. As opposed, you know, this year there are four people that we believe warranted to go in. And next year there's only one. Or like you said, maybe there's none, right? It all depends on when they retired. I'd be totally fine with that rather than being like every year we have this many spots to fill. And so it, this is a weak year. So we'll play catch up with some guys who've been eligible since 2004 or something. I, I don't like that. It, it just feels less special to me. Mm-hmm. It, it should be to me a gut feel, and maybe your gut feel is different than my gut feel on a certain guy, right? Like, but yeah. but 
to me, I've sort of the the Hall of Fame's run its course a little bit. Yeah, I have no problem with uh, Alfie and Matt Sunday getting in, especially because the Hockey Hall of Fame has the international like uh, aspect to it, sure. where like you you can consider gold medals, Olympic gold medal, yeah, yeah, points that way, yeah. and, and, and success in that sense is so big too. So um, I have no problems with them getting in. I'm kind of on the same boat as you. It's like yeah, if you're gonna nitpick of one of the other of Matt Sunday and Alfie, like a lot of these, yeah, I understand it. I also understand that you want to be able to bring new you know attendance it's kind of all for ratings it's all to talk about talking sure. points keep the hockey all fame markets around. yeah invest it, it, they kind of want that so i do understand that what you're saying and the you know it's kind of getting watered down in the sense of it you're letting just guys that have had a certain impacts now it's just you kind of got to you kind of got to re redefine i guess the idea of yeah. you know hall of famer it's like you know maybe you were just monumental in that like club's franchise but which rob I and i always argue mark recce he is my, come on, that guy just played for 25 years at not one stop in his NHL career. Was he ever the best player on his own team? So yeah. how do you make that guy a hall? Well, he's got whatever it is, 1,400 points. Well, he played for forever, right? And, and yeah, I'm... I, you know, Mark Recchi, I don't know. I, I don't assume he listens to this podcast, but he's <laughs> taking a beating on here if he does. It's not personal. I just look at that guy as like a, this is what the Hockey Hall of Fame is. It's just you play forever and, you know, rack up enough points and someone looks at As opposed to, you know, would you have ever said Mark Recchi played a game where you were like, man, what a, what a legend, right? What a hall of famer that guy is. I just think it's too easy to get in. Yeah. I, I, I hear your, under, your argument here. I, I'm very, I don't, uh, I'm very much in the, I don't care enough yeah. to, to get upset about it or to, to, you know, cry about it or yep. to argue oh, about it. I'm Bunch more just pounding me over here. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm very much in this box. Like I don't, I don't have any, like it's a, it's a huge achievement for more of those individuals sure. and I'll, I'll hear everyone's arguments on them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like you have to be aware now, like you said, if, if guys are aren't winning Stanley Cups, but you know, I just think it's sort of like a half Hall of Fame, half local thing, right? Like, sure, like Chris Neal here. That guy's not a Hall of Famer, but he was so beloved mm-hmm. in this market. There's no reason at all you don't raise his number. And Rob and I argue about this all the time. Rob's a big Sens fan, and he feels a little bit like it cheapens the 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 jersey raising thing, right? Because he wasn't a great player. To me, the Hall of Fame is for great players in the local market. If they loved you, if you were big in the community, if you did great charity stuff, then honor that guy for your franchise, right? In Toronto, Darcy Tucker, Ty Domi, are these Hall of Famers? No. But if that market want, like loved those guys and wanted to retire those numbers, I don't have a problem with that, right? Like, Do what you want to do for your fans and your market. It's too bad, though, because Toronto already has almost every number. I know. You can't around. really retire anymore. You can't tune into a Leafs game <laughs> on a Saturday night without there being some kind of jersey ceremony. At least we got or... the Bon Jovi one out of there. Exactly. Right? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's going to be coming soon with uh, Justin Bieber. is going to have his Leafs jersey run But it'll be that black and yellow one with right? the smiley face <laughs> yeah, exactly. right? Just, hey Biebs your honorary I, tell you, I don't hate that though I know I, I like the yellow one. The only reason I liked it is because it was different. Yeah, I like the I like the difference. Yeah, I don't want to see it every night or anything. But no, <laughs> I I just I, I liked uh, the black on black with like you said the yellow in that spot in it. So I thought it was interesting. It was different. It was unique. Sure. I also like I love when they do the St. Pat's jerseys around yes. uh, St. Patty's Day. I got one of those hanging up in the club. <clears> yeah, like has. those are cool. I just like when because like, I you know the Leafs are like the Habs right. The original six teams yeah. they don't really change around their jerseys too much. I think right. Boston got away from it the most when they had those bear head. Uh, yeah. Remember that those like mustard. Yeah, 
yellow like a piece of shit. Though. Yeah, like if you were too far away, it just looked like a turd on the middle of your yellow jersey. <laughs> I think like I'm trying to think of all the original six teams and like the Rangers of Detroit doesn't change a whole lot. No, Detroit, Montreal, Toronto. You know what I liked? Chicago. I know a lot of people didn't. The Rangers, when they did the Statue of Liberty head NYR. Oh, I didn't like that. I really liked that. I thought that was a sharp. No. Maybe not for a jersey. Would you wear it as a hat? Uh, I'm a hat guy, so yeah, probably. Like, that's a cool little logo. I, I know I'm in the minority. The people didn't love that one, but I really thought that was a sharp, kind of alternate jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. In terms of mainstays, though, yeah. yeah. So I, I like when uh, you see... In, Something different from these teams. That's why it's like, oh, the Leafs are bringing out their new jerseys. And it's like, what'd they do? Okay, they added a little bit of blue here. Oh, they took away blue from here. They added a stripe here. Yeah, that's all. Oh, they does. adjusted. They made the logo bigger. Okay. But like, there's never much that happens. So no. it is cool to see a new Leafs jersey every Reach once in a while. So I wouldn't bit. be surprised if that's raised to the rafters next year. Uh, that'd be sweet. Um, I know I only got you for a couple more minutes. So we got to move off this. I want to ask you the Red Blacks, as we sit here now, 0 2. Uh, you know, lost the the season opener, lost the home opener. They went to Tyree Adams there in the home opener. Uh, you know, like I said, I know we only got a couple minutes. What do you make of the early Red Blacks? Another home loss. I don't know if that matters as much as the fact that they're 0 2. They're banking big time on Jeremiah Masoli being back. Uh, they have an off week this week, and then he hopefully will be back for week four, uh, which would be game three for the Red Blacks. What have you seen? Are you optimistic that Masoli is enough? Have we seen the end of Nick Arbuckle? Like, even if Masoli isn't ready, they'll go with one of the young guys. Like, I know you don't have a ton of time left, man. Where are you at on the Red Blacks after two games at this it's point? It's tough. And all of those questions are are very valid because you look at a team that's been so terrible at home for the last couple of years now and how frustrating it is. So does it does it suck that they didn't? Yeah, it absolutely sucks that they didn't win the home opener. Yeah. But I think it was even worse because they lost that home opener. They lost the season opener to Montreal when it was there for the it. taking. Had to have it. And uh, yeah, Nick Arbuckle did not look very good, did not play very good. The offense didn't look good. The very unfortunate part Part has been the injuries. You know they had a, they built a lot of depth up, but you know uh, their best uh, receiver throughout all of training camp was Shaq Evans. Shaq Evans, and then he breaks his finger in the preseason game, yeah. and it's like, what are you going to do? It's a receiver catching a freaking football. How does this have to break your finger? It's like it just yeah. it's tough. But then you go into the last game. I'm curious to see what happens. But it's a bye week this week, so I don't know any of the injury reports. But uh, they lost Devonte Dedman during the game. He tried to come back, and then he ended up leaving the game for good, uh, which was a returner. But he's also been trying to get more involved in the offense. Yeah, They've been yeah. trying to get him more involved there. Uh, uh, Kareel Brooks, who they brought over from Hamilton, uh, you know, he's a free agent, but one of their top DBs that, you know, he was uh, injured in that game and ended up did not be able to play. So they've dealt with the injuries. And then you, you factor in the guys like Masoli, right? He was right off the bat, not even able to go but for the first two weeks. So I'm hoping he's able to go for week three. They have a lot of depth and they can be a lot better. I do believe that uh, they've been in games where they can, you know, they, they could have won. Their defense has been solid and their defensive line and their pass rush the has been good. Been crazy good. But especially dealing with injuries. Hold I believe Justin, yeah. Justin Howell, I believe, was injured last game as yeah. well. I don't know if he'll be able to go following the bye week or not. Like I said, these injuries were all during the game and uh, after the game that I have no information on now moving forward until they get back to practicing as sure. they're on bye week. So um, it, it's frustrating because, like I said, the loss to Montreal – um, with zero offense and no touchdowns in the first two games, you know the attendance for the home opener was eighteen two fifty one, which uh, is tough. 
because yeah. that that should have been a twenty four thousand sellout for especially for your home opener. Home opener, but the fans have been there before. They are, you look at the years that they've struggled hundred percent in, in the not CFL. The fans, no, it can never. You can't blame the fans because been there's loyal, been nothing man. on the field that's made you want to go to games yep. other than Devontae Dedman over the last couple of years. And then you know, and that's that's the thing. He uh, you know he's dealt with like he ended up going to Miami for last year. Yep. He came in late, and then teams weren't kicking to him last year. Then he got injured at the end of the year, and now he came into this year. And like I said, it's he was already battling some stuff, but he was injured last game. So it's like, he, you know, even the excitement around Devontae Dedman is like, it's kind of watered off and it's yeah. like, it's unfortunate because he's dealt with injuries and stuff, but this team has just not been good the last yeah. couple of years. So for fans, uh, you know, 18, kind of sucks for a home opener. And when I say kind of sucks, it's because I've seen that place with 25,000 people packed yeah. in for, you know, East semifinals and for home openers. And, you know, they have the jets going over and it's like, you're so excited for these games. And in the CFL, you can go from worst to first for very quickly. And we saw it with the Red Blacks and their first year in 2014, then 2015, mm-hmm. worst to first, went to the Grey Cup. And it's like, okay. But then to be this bad for this many years in a row and this bad at home for this many years in a row, it sucks. And it sucked the life out of not having as many fans there the other night. The offense not having a lot of groove. It sucked seeing Nick Arbuckle take that first, uh, well, not just Nick Arbuckle, but, you know, the offense have that, that first. He hasn't been good, though. He hasn't been good. And I believe that, you know, the Red Blacks are in a spot where they have a lot of young quarterbacks. And, yeah. you know, with uh, Jeremiah Masoli signed here, it's like, Nick Arbuckle himself, I'm curious to see his future, where it's going to be, if it's going to be in Ottawa or if he's going to be whatever. But I know once Jeremiah Masoli comes back. How many more times can they start him? It's tough because Tyree Adams is a guy that I believe if you give him a a couple, you know, a little bit more option, uh, more opportunity, he's a guy that it can be good in the CFL. Dustin Crum, who like they dress four quarterbacks a game right now because they can't (laughs) put them on, they're really high on them. So it's like for Nick Arbuckle, he's looking at the spot where like, you know, you're playing for your, you know, future in Ottawa here. So um, it's been tough to see him go down the field in that home opener and they come away with three points because they or they didn't, they turned the ball over on downs. They couldn't punch the ball in from the five yard line. And it sucked because you have so many like so many options. They didn't run the ball once, and it's like okay, the play calling and Kari Jones is new. Baron Miles is new on the defensive side. It's a new Bob Dice is now the head coach. Yeah. You saw in game one the special teams was not very good. Game two a lot better. So there was nothing to complain about there, especially. Well, when, so let me bring you all the way back around. Then yeah. is Jeremiah Masoli the miracle man? Is this team fine if they have him? you know, healthy back under center. It's tough. It really is tough because Jeremiah Masoli has shown over the last few years now, and he's older, he's 35, yeah, coming yeah. off a very tough injury. But that was hurtful. I, I, yeah, I believe he's only he's only played in 20-something of 50-something yep. games over the last couple of years because of injury. So yep. it, it, it's piling up, man. And, and So are me, we hanging our hopes on something that may not we are. be it, there? I don't not believe in him, but yeah. I need to see it. And yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. I, I think that's, and it's all of fans, everybody, anyone that could tell you to watch Red Blocks games, you can hype them up. They've got all this talent. they got lots of guys you can get around that are great dudes that are, are very awesome to be around and great people, but you need to win. Yeah. Like end of the day, you need to win. And it, that's what frustrates me the most is like, and, and you know, fans, everybody, it's not me, you, you're doing a podcast. Do you 100%. think you want to be asking me about how bad the Red Blacks are? Yeah, I'd rather no, talk about some wins. I want to be talking about wins. I love these. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, like yeah. I said, uh, the one thing that sucks about losses is we don't get to talk about the guys that are, are, are being, uh, you know, showing up and making names for themselves yep. that we're not used to seeing. Like a guy like Savon Scarver, who had such a great preseason and right. as a returner receiver. And it's like, oh man, this guy is an awesome dude to talk to. And he's so good. And it's like, now he's not even able to be a kick returner because he's a receiver and they're already losing so many receivers to depth. Well, the old line looks so much better. Oh, the offensive not, line. Like everything. Uh, I don't know, man. The, it, the offensive tough. line is not a worry for me because, no. because they're waiting on. Uh, That's you know, what I'm saying. They could have an all Canadian line by uh, yep. Dante Bull. Yep. 
whenever he's ready to go, which he, I believe he was ramping up practices uh, before the bye week as well. So there's a lot, like that the offensive like, line, the defensive line. There's, scares the shit out of me. Yeah, he's a like big he lad, man. He slam me all the way to hell. All the way to hell, dude, right <laughs> through the table and through the ring. Uh, he's a big lad. But like, yeah. I'm curious to see the offensive line isn't something I'm worried about as, as uh, at no. all. Um, I do so think it's going to take a couple weeks. The one good thing about the CFL is, you know, <laughs> the Red Blacks weren't out of it, and I believe they had three wins last Honestly. year. Two wins last year. Yeah, the and they East weren't out of it to the second. pretty mediocre. Exactly. And that's why you had to have that first win, I think. Especially against Montreal yeah, yeah. when uh, a division and rival. And Calgary rolled in there. They looked pretty beatable too. Both games were uh, winnable, but yeah. at the same time, it's like they, we've been saying this for years, and that's where, like I said, I'm all about Jeremiah Masoni. Got nothing against him. I'm, I, I'm rooting for the dude. Yep. I want him to win games. I just need to see it. I'm not over here banking anything. I'm not betting my house on this team being a playoff team. I think that this is ha- this team has the capability of being an eight to ten win team. I think personally, yeah. but I just, you haven't seen it gotta and it. yeah, you got to show it. And especially when you see these two games that were just like, they slipped out of their hands. Montreal was a no brainer. They should have had, it's almost embarrassing to come out of your first two games without an offensive score touchdown. <laughs> it, it, you, you can't do that <laughs> for sure. We were week one and week two. It's just, it's, it's, it's a league of scoring Yeah, and you haven't scored a touchdown. Like, you know, the, the kick return t- was such a tease because it was right before halftime of that yep. game and they were within three hey, points of it, Calgary. It, uh, yeah. And it's just like, and then it's like, yeah, then they didn't, I do believe that they have players in the roster that will be okay and it'll be good and I, I want to see them get a little bit healthier and, and see how things can work. It's a long season in the CFL. They say you're not out of it until Labor Day so early football is we can you know yeah. we can sit the sit here and fire the alarms all we want. I think that the reason why it calls for urgency and calls for alarms is because they've they've been terrible on offense for a good couple of years now and it's like fans are not coming to games when you get to 18251 as your home opener. It's not an ex, it's not terrible. It's good for if you're the Senators but when you have the capability of looking across, like I said, I'm, I'm on the sidelines between the benches. I look across at, you know, the south side or it's, uh, the north side and it's, it's man, it's, it was terrible. There was yeah. so many empty seats and it's like, I'm used to, and usually those, there's always some empty seats because people are walking around the end zones. Sure. It wasn't like that. And it, and it sucks because I love that, man, that feeling, the goosebumps, I'll never forget second and 25 against Hamilton. Yeah. The, like, man, that, like the crowd, like I was like, they were just jacked up and it's like, man, that play happened and gave you goosebumps. And it's yeah. like, you want the those feelings. The crowd's done their part. You, yeah. Dave. There's been so much negativity around the team and it's like, you know, interviewing the coaches and players all the time about, you know, oh, you guys haven't won many games. You haven't won any home games. It's like, and it's like always the same answers. Like, yeah, but none of these guys are from those teams or, you know, it's not as much. Yeah. I'm a new coach. I wasn't hit, but it's like, it doesn't matter because the fans, you know, the, it matters. The fans aren't paying that much attention. It sucks. And I feel for the Ottawa football fans because they're so good in, in the CFL. Like I said, you can go from worst to first so quickly. I still believe that this is an eight-win team at the very minimum. Um, and I think that Masoli can do it if he can fill up and, and live up to his potential and, and be healthy for a full season. And the receivers can stay healthy. And the like everything, like there's so many butts here. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that they have absolutely the talent to win like 10 games still. Like I do think so. Okay. We're going to punt Steve Bunda out the door. We got to get him ready for uh for some work and then he's off to Montreal for a little uh a little bachelor party weekend. I think a lot of our listeners are a little jealous right now, man. That, uh, that that's how you're going to be spending your weekend. Won't be uh, when I make up Sunday with a no, hangover the size of no, Texas. No, of course. Sunday, Monday going to be rough. Yeah, uh, we will not be jealous of you at that point. But the the nights leading up to that. Uh yeah, man. Enjoy. Thank you, man, uh, and thank you for having me I'm on. I'm glad you came in, buddy. The last couple times we've done this, it's been online. I will come knocking again once I've retreated. See, I thought you were just doing that because you didn't want me bringing beer all the time. Well, there you're, was... The, like you're holding said, it against man. me. Yeah. Was, I in, was I in suspension? Yeah. <laughs> I think I was. See, the thing is, I always ask people not to bring beer, 
But I'm not mad when they do. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I just thought you might have held it against me because no. you also held the door for a minute. So all the Tolkien audio fans were, <laughs> holy <laughs> cow, this <laughs> asshole again. And they were trying to get me out of here. So it's uh, <laughs> it's great to have you back in here, man. I, no doubt I will come knocking once I've retreated to the uh, satellite studio again. And you know what? Maybe if you're out on the road some weekend, we'll get you drop into the satellite studio. We'll do one lakeside. Or I'm always, like always down, man. Whenever we can make time, I'm always down. And again, happy birthday, dude. It's, I uh, I'm always that. appreciate coming on this podcast. Podcast. You're always fun to talk to. You always put out a lot of fun on social media and text. So, uh, happy birthday, Matty. Happy 40th. Uh, you're a great dude. And, uh, I don't care what you say. There is a bit of sexiness to you. And it's, <laughs> it might, it might just be your voice because you have a yeah. great voice, but Hey man, just take whatever you can win. At it's 40, the dual right? baritones when you come in, man, me and you will, uh, will battle with the, the, the bass. The bass. Uh, so. I'll give you the win there too, because I don't, I know for a fact, I, uh, your, your radio voice is much better than mine. Uh, with that, let's get out of here. We got uh, we got to get Steve Bunda out the door. He's got things to do here tonight. Uh, we'll wind this one down here. That is episode 1,131 of the Talk and Audio Podcast. For Steve Bunda, my name is Matt Robinson. We'll see you next time. What the hell is that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy? <laughs> <laughs>